Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Two things. One, it's going to be hard to stop Victor. And two, they were going to have a hard time stopping Christian. And uh, that kind of came to fruition, I think, here. I've never been in a game that's been this high scoring, 100 points. It was crazy. Christian, me and him, we're, uh, we work out with Supreme Athlete Stack. We, I was just working out with him Monday, Monday night, and uh, we were getting ready for this big week, and we knew it was going to be a good game because we both do, do what we do, and we put on the show. We just kept saying we need one stop. We just need one stop, and, and, and that'll be it. We just, you know, we couldn't get it. Pushing through it, um, yeah, taped up and stuff. So, yeah, but it's football, hard game, tough game, and I gotta do what I, I gotta play the role of quarterback and be a leader on the field. You know what I'm saying? So Christian screaming like he always does. Um, and I had to step up. There's no receivers in the backfield, so I had to step up and uh, make a play on the one, two yard line. And uh, Justin Despins came in and stopped him with me, so we, uh, we sealed the deal. Yeah, I said to those guys, crazy as it is, a game like this ends on a, on a big defensive play, but that's what we'll take it. It's hard to win, hard to win football games, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy with it with a lot of work. Well, that's an incredible ending, and congratulations to Bristol Central. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we brothers, we brothers off the field, so. You know, when, when, you, when you play football, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do when you get to the field, but we brothers off the field for real. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to The Meat Grinder, your weekly dose of high school football in Connecticut, and I am your host, Sean Patrick Bully, and with me, as always, is Peter Paguaga. Peter, how are you? Good, good, good as always. I, I love our Monday morning chats. Yeah, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. At the top of the show, you're in a little, well, a little. You're in a lot from this crazy, wild Saturday afternoon game uh, between Bristol Central and Hartford Public. Mano a mano. Victor Rosa, the UConn commit, going again. It was literally going against Christian Garcia. In fact, some at some points during the game, I was actually tweeting out Rosa 16, Garcia 8. This game was off the charts. Ridiculous, as you heard. 800 yards of total offense, 11 touchdowns accounted for by both players, nine two-point conversions, and finally, the last, the last play of the game, defense. After all that, Rosa tackling his good friend at the two-yard line to preserve 
a 52 to 48 victory. One that Bristol Central probably should have been up a lot more, but Garcia and Harford Public kept coming back. Probably one of the best games of the year. I mean, if you love offense, if you love defense, it was uh, if you're a defensive coordinator on either of those teams, you're pulling your hair out. If you had any hair left by the end of that game, uh, uh, it was a great game. Obviously, we'll uh, kind of get into that a little bit on Saturday. You know, um, I wrote about it ad nauseum on Game Time CT, so you can probably read a little bit uh, a little more about it. But we'll definitely show a little bit of highlights, uh, a little bit more highlights from that game in a bit. But it was an interesting week, Pete, because. Um, majority of the teams in the state were on their bye weeks. You know, the, the, mostly the Alliance teams, the, the SECs, the FCX, the ECCs, you know, the, the, uh, the only teams that the only conference that really played were the F sorry, the CTC. No, sorry. The CCC and the Pequot. And of those games, there were some pretty interesting games out there. You saw one. Yes, I did. Merlin, Merlin. Maloney Berlin, I combined them together, both three and one going in, both with playoff aspirations, and one of them was going to walk away down a peg or two or three for their playoff hopes. I mean, both teams have made the playoffs the last three seasons. I think Berlin maybe the last four. And uh, it was a great game uh, until the end, and, and Maloney kind of warmed down, uh, scored two touchdowns late in the game to kind of put it away. And, uh, you know, you kind of just look and it's like Maloney, they're in good shape, right? Now they're four and one with, uh, you know, they still have a lot of games that they have to win ahead. But now you're looking at Berlin and you're like, they want to go to the playoffs. They might have to win out. And they they don't have an easy schedule either. So it was was interesting to kind of watch a, um, you know, a playoff type atmosphere game. You know, it might not have been in the stands. It might not have been you know, kind of like that feeling. But when you're watching it, it's close, and you're like, one of these teams is probably not going to make – the loser of this game is probably not going to make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Berlin's going to need a lot of things to go their way now. And uh, it was kind of fun to get that in week five. Yeah, it was certainly uh, one of those games that uh, is kind of a bellwether for the rest of the season. We're at the midpoint, almost at the midpoint, actually. We have a few more bye weeks to go. Uh, this coming week is going to be a short, another shortened schedule. I think a little bit more games, 44, in fact, uh, this week. And then, uh, and then we go right back into the, we get the mid season. Uh, and uh, when we go right into the end of October and we're almost at the end of the year, which is just, you know, but this is where it's going to get a little bit interesting. This is going to get a little bit interesting and talk about interesting teams. Uh, we're going to talk to our good friend, Mars Petroscio, the Trumbull head coach, uh, to tell us about his team start lost first game of the year to Staples in his little homecoming. But since then has reeled off a, a few wins in a row. They played West Hill on sat on Saturday. You went to that game. See uh, Corbin Smith. A lot of this week, Pete, I think we, we went to games to see players. We probably wouldn't get to see otherwise. I mean, Corbin Smith from Trumbull is one of them. He had a great game against Shelton. This is one of those things you're like, you know, like, let's go check this guy out. I went to see, Weathersfield, sorry, Newington versus Glastonbury. You know, I uh, I saw to, to check out our guy, Austin Howe, and some of those guys on Newington. They were undefeated, but they were playing Glastonbury, and I had a gut feeling that Glastonbury was going to give them a lot of trouble. And as it turns out, Glastonbury shows up, 0-4 going in, shows up with a brilliant performance, 28-20 to, to victory, and a guy who had a great game, 
was uh, Matt Daniels, who's the son of the former coach, Scott Daniels. And they were playing to win that game for former Newington coach, Eric Hennessy, whose son is a defensive lineman on a team. So they are a lot to play for at Glassbury. And here's Glassbury's Jack Patron running the rock. He scored a pair of touchdowns early, was punishing with 161 yards on 35 carries. But Newington showed it could strike back and strike hard quick. Charles Judge Blair takes this short pass, 46 yard for a touchdown. And later, our guy, Austin Howe, catches this 39 yard strike from Patty Brown. And we're all tied up 14 to halftime. After a near scoreless third quarter, Newington, which was knocking on the door all night, finally breaks through on fourth down when Howe catches his four yard pass on the sideline in the end zone. Glastonbury thought he was out of bounds, but Newington's up 2014 going into the fourth quarter. All they needed to do was play a little defense. Glastonbury facing third and long from their own 13, and quarterback Jack Angelum scrambles around and finds Daniels way downfield for an amazing 39-yard catch down to midfield, and just a couple plays later, it's Daniels following a block by Hennessy and Mike Masiolik for a tying 41-yard touchdown. The extra point is good with just four minutes left, and now Glastonbury has to play a little defense, and the Newington goes right back down the field, guarding its hold by running Brown out of bounds with 110 remaining. Game over, right? Well, Daniels busts loose for an 87-yard touchdown that I thought was an Ole touchdown. They're going to let him score. And even Daniels had to think for a second before he finally scored to put Glassbury up by eight. Newington coach Jason Pace said no. He had all his timeouts. But once Daniels broke through, he told his team to let him go. It was probably a wise choice because Newington on cue, back down the field. Austin Howe with this great catch to get into range, but Glastonbury, once again, the defense stops them on downs. Couple of incompletions late. The Guardians win their first game and hand Newington its first loss. Here's Daniels, Patron, and Hennessy all fired up going into the bye. What, I mean, what, were you guys on 0-14? Yeah, we were, uh, we were on, the, on the scoreboard, but we, we felt like we were a lot better than we were. The score didn't do us justice. We, we were really close in the games we lost, and we just couldn't finish them. And this game, we came and finished it. Uh, well, this is Coach Hennessy, our head coaches. This is old school, and uh, we had a lot of pride to win this game. We were 0-4, like Patron said. They were 4-0, so we knew we could have won the game, and we did that. Did, you, did it cross your mind that, oh, my God, maybe I shouldn't score? I was running right down here, and I stopped at the one-yard line, and I was thinking about that while I was running, and I was just like, might as well get it in and then uh, play some defense, and our defense did a great job. You know, we knew they were a very good team. Two great wide receivers, quarterback's awesome, but, you know, shut them down. I mean, they had some good plays, but credit to them, but shut them down. This is a great feeling. Uh, we get to rest up and then have Weathersfield, who's a good team, and I'm excited. This one hurts. You know, last week we went down against Middletown. Uh, we have a battle back. Um, this one hurts when you're when you're up a score late in the fourth quarter. you got to put that game away. Um, and then, you know, we just have to play more disciplined football. We made costly mistakes at the wrong times. Um, and we knew they were a good team coming in. They're, they're, every single game, they're right there. Um, so, you know, we knew they were going to be physical. We know, uh, you know, we knew it was going to be a battle to the end, so. An amazing team. And, and Coach Pace has done an amazing, amazing job here at Newington. I know firsthand how hard it is to win here at Newington. And he's been able to come in here and turn this thing around and get it heading in the right direction. And to tell you what, offensively, that's a special team offensively. Um, and it's just, this year is kind of weird. We were 0-4, but the thing is, as a team, we knew we weren't an 0-4 team. And out of those four teams, and much respect to other teams that beat us, there's only three, I mean, only one that we felt, hey, they got us. The other three was due to self-inflicted wounds 
at key points where we just kind of couldn't finish a team. And to see how our defense played against a really, really strong offense in the second half, and then our offense to step up and finish finally a drive, you know, it's amazing. Glassbury wins, but I did come away very impressed with how, and there are a bunch of guys like that across the state, Pete. Yeah, there are a lot of guys who have been asked to do a lot of different things this year for the team, for their team. I don't know if it's, you know, look, we didn't play last year and there's a, a lack of experience, a lack of experience across the state. And these guys who have experience, these guys who are catching on quickly have been asked to do a lot of things. You know, we're seeing uh, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a quarterback who's returning punts. And he's not even looking to return them. The, the coach just trusts him that he's going to be able to catch the ball. You know, we're seeing guys who are, are taking handoffs and catching passes and even throwing passes. You know, it's funny, two years ago, there was like, not that there was one guy in the state, but there was one big guy in the state who did that. And that was Joe DiGello at Amity, yeah. right? He was throwing the ball when Amity needed to come back late. He was running the ball. He was catching the ball. He was playing linebacker. He was returning punts, returning kicks. He was punting. Um, you know, but it seems like there's a lot more of those guys around the state this yeah. year because I think of the lack of experience yeah. and coaches are, okay, this is my best chance. Do I want my quarterback returning punch? No, but is he the most trustworthy guy who's going to catch the ball and not turn it over? Yes. Okay. Go out there, call a fair catch and hold on to the ball. This is a great year for that. You're a hundred percent correct. Pete, you're hundred percent correct. I mean, you, you, hand doesn't have quite have that situation, but they do have a guy like you want the ball in Seth Swice or something, or, or Ethan O'Brien uh, or yeah. even Patch Flanagan. So they have a little, but definitely of all the guys, um, Seth Swice, uh, yeah. you know, you, Corbin Smith from Trumbull. We'll talk to Mars Petrosio about that. He's one. in my game, Bristol Central's Victor Rosa. I, they put him at quarterback because not because he's a great quarterback, but because he's their best player and yeah, he he's the plays. He's the highest rated uh, prospect in the CIAC. He's not playing quarterback in college. Right. You know, it was like Cal Redmond a couple of years ago up at Ram. Cal Redmond's playing tight end at Stony Brook. Right. You know what? He was the best player for Ram, and they wanted the ball in his hands as many times as possible during a game, and he won seven games. So, you know, it works for certain programs uh, like that. You know, you mentioned Cor Corbin Smith. They got a lot of guys on Trumbull as well. O Owen Solano. Um, you know, Augusto, uh, uh, Augusti Hunter at quarterback, like they got guys, but you know, if you get the ball in Corbin Smith's hands 20, 30 times a game, like you're probably going to win. And I think a lot of coaches this year are, are going with that philosophy. You know, Eric Becker said it after the massacre, you know, it's the Schweitzer principle. The more times Daniel hand can put the ball in, in a Schweitzer's hand, the more success they will have. And I think if you ask coaches, they have they have the Corbin Smith principle, they have the Victor Rosa principle, they have the Austin Howe print print principle, because it is it's that kind of year where you know and look we we're going to talk more about Trumbull with Marsh, but they lost their first game. If Trumbull and Staples played now, Trumbull probably wins that game. But you know you can't go back and do redos. So I think we're still early in the year where these coaches are still trying to figure out a lot, and they're going to put the ball in the hands of the best player until it doesn't work. Yeah. I think that, I think a good barometer right now is if the guy has a dynamic player on his team, man, uh, that's a team you really want to watch. Yeah. You know, I don't, there are a few teams already. I don't think they have those guys, you know, Richfield might be a team where they have a good collection of players and they don't have necessarily have that. You know, you, I know you love uh, Keller, but um, I think they have, he didn't play great against Newtown. Now, I'm looking for that game breaker for Newtown. 
who's the new town game is the quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about a hand, we talked about Maloney. Um, you know, does, uh, you know, in, in Newington's case, it's Austin Howe is, is great, but they also have a few other guys there. Charles judge Blair being one of them. Um, you know, and, and, but, but obviously when they want the, the games on the line, you want, want the game, you want the, the ball in Howe's hands. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, then, but you even look at, you look at Jack Hoffman from Amity. Yeah. I mean, here's a, here's a great, great, great athlete. He's playing wide out. He's playing running back. He's playing DB. He's returning kicks. But they also have another guy out there who has two kick returns for a touchdown in Clem Neary. You know, they have, but Jack is the guy, and he's the guy that, you know, Coach Bruno is putting in different spots to make plays for his team. Well, who's the guy for Fairfield Prep? You know, I, you know, I'm looking at, I'm still looking for the guy at Fairfield Prep. Who is the guy at Greenwich? You know, when I saw that game two weeks ago, who were those? Who were those guys? I they got a lot of options at Greenwich too. And who is that guy? Who's going to be but the one that's going to step think up? That needs to be. Yeah, I mean, it's not a foolproof thing. Obviously, listen, no. Garcia. They put they quickly. Kerry Bellucci quickly realized that they had to put the ball in his hands. You know, every every play, and they put him at quarterback. He didn't play quarterback the first game. Then they started. You know, we're we're going to need this kid. And sure enough, and I love Christian Garcia, by the way. Uh, let me just quickly talk about this game. It was, uh, this is one of those games where you just kind of go up and say, I want to see these two top players and beautiful day, you know, back at the Hartford public. It's a funny thing. I'd not been to Hartford public ever to cover a game. I've been there twice now because of this kid and because of the, uh, because I wanted to see him. And this game was just, you know, literally no, punt. The first, there was a punt beginning of the game by Hartford public. And I think there was a punt late in the second quarter. And that was it. The, it was back and forth, back and forth. And so it wasn't just Victor Rosen running on scoring touchdowns. He also got Justin Despins in, in on the action and Trey Blair in on the action. But for the most part, their offense ran through him. And even though he tweaked his groin late in the third quarter, he still was able to put on a 25-yard touchdown run, was able to put Bristol Central up by two scores, 12 points, with about a minute and change left. But sure enough, as he'd done all game, here comes Christian Garcia. The kid was just ridiculously good. Scores on a four-yard run and the two-point conversion. So now it's only a four-point game with 47 seconds left, and you know what's coming next. It's the onside kick after an offside by Hartford Public. On the second attempt, they actually get the onside kick, and you know that we were in big trouble. This is going to be a photo finish, and he gets down to the 20-yard line, 11 seconds left. Bellucci calls for a pass. He sees the option to scramble, bolts up the field, and he's met by who else but his buddy, Victor Rosa, who corrals him with a little assist to Justin Despins and tackles him at the two-yard line to end this just ridiculous game. 52-48. to 48. It was a game that had no defense until the very last play of the game. And uh, it was an epic game. And again, the, in these, in the wild thing about it, is that these two kids have been working out together before it's just a different era i was like what what are you talking about they're working out together before the big game and uh, uh jeff papay's and the bristol central coach was like man this ain't the 80s anymore that these kids just <laughs> hang out all the time and uh it's like but victor rose was great he's like look i i had the injury i played through it and you know when it came down to it i gotta make my play for my team and we're trying to Bristol Central is trying to go to the state playoffs for the first time in, you know, since 1987. It's been that long back in the days when it was just a state championship game. 
And uh, and so I think the path is now very much clear for them the rest of the way. Hartford Public, on the other hand, very much not going to make it. They're both in class L, which is we'll talk about in a second, a really, really ridiculous. It's play. a mess. It's an utter just dis- 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 disaster area. Uh, other than that game, we also had our game of the week, which is a very fascinating one on Saturday. Cromwell Portland defeated Valley Regional 21 to six in a game that they needed some some help in the second half. And they got it from Teddy Williams. Teddy ball game. Is that what they called Teddy ball game? I think so. Yeah, scoring two touchdowns. One on a punt return. They also had four turnovers, three in the second half to pull that game away. But, you know, it was really interesting because our our, our guy, Will Aldham, comes back from our game of the week. And he said he, he got the sense that Valley was not optimistic of that game. And sure enough, they actually had a lead and were playing very well. But. You know, as Coach Randall Bennett from Cromwell, Portland was saying, you know, it wasn't just uh, he, what he said to you beginning of the season, he's a linebacker for Bethel State, far none. We talked a lot about Owen Brunk last week. This week it was Teddy Ballgame playing great. So uh, Cromwell, Portland, 3-0. and They're in a, in a good mode at the moment. So that was our game of the week. And uh, uh, I thought that was interesting. The Pequot is, is very fascinating because then uh, the night before, Pete, Granby Canton, 14, Ellington, 13, and a showdown of Uncas powers. And it came down to the wire, 35 seconds left. Ellington scores, goes for two in the win, and Granby's Will Atanese intercepted the potential two-point conversion play in the end zone to hold on to the win. I, you know, I love what they're doing in the Pequot. It wasn't the only game, right? Stafford, yeah. Stafford went for two. I think it was with five or six minutes left in the game, but Coach Mazzoni went for the win. He did it earlier in the year against Granby Canton. It didn't work. Um, so I like the, I like those calls in the Pequot coming out of the Pequot going for the win. I, we saw, uh, you know, Farazi did it um, for Sheehan uh, a couple of weeks ago against Weston uh, and they were able to win. And I believe that Sheehan did it another time. Uh, they tried to do it against new Fairfield and lost. So, uh, I like that excitement. I like that going for two in the win, but that's a huge win for Granby Canton. And I think they really established themselves as the best team of the Uncas and Pequot and uh, Cromwell Portland's the best team in the Secaucus. You get a little pushback from Coggenshaw on that one. Yeah. And Coggenshaw is really good. And I feel like maybe they get forgotten. Um, you know, they do have a win over Stafford, um, but you know, they got they got Rockville, they got Cromwell, Portland, they got Granby, three of their last four games. That's going to be a really good show uh, for Coggenshock to see how good they are uh, as opposed to the beginning half of their schedule. But Coggenshock is going to be fun. Coggenshock 18 and nothing versus Haddon Killingworth under the lights oh, up there on the that beautiful facility they have there in Durham. Uh, 18 and nothing over Haddon Killingworth. And listen, let's talk about uh, quickly Coggenshock's defense for a minute. 14 to 7 versus Crack. 14 nothing versus Valley Regional, the game I saw the second half of. They held them off. Old Saybrook, Westbrook, 40 to nothing. Stafford, Logan Briggs, and that, that crew held them to 14 points, but it was able to win to do just enough to win that game. Had them killing worth 18 nothing. I think this is a defensive team, Mike Glass here. And did Chris Pergano have three interceptions in this game? My, my goodness, I'm just reading this now. We didn't get anything called into us. It's not going to make any of the our players of the week list, but 
They play Morgan this week. They play Rockville, as you mentioned. The big one, if they can get through those, the big one, Cromwell Porton at home, November 13th, 1 o'clock. Get your tickets now for a Pequot Sasakis showdown. That's going to be a wild game. But you were looking at Coggenshock, 21 points. Cromwell's allowed 17. Yeah. That game is going to be awesome. Mike Eagle versus Randall Bennett. I mean, I'm all in on that. That's a Saturday at one o'clock as of now. We'll see, but uh, that's, that's exciting. Bristol Central Harvard Public was not the end of my Saturday. I I, I really desperately wanted to get over to Waterbury. It was just a short ride down 84 over to Municipal Stadium where Holy Cross, a team that I thought was pretty good in the NVL, I thought was one of the good NVL teams playing a Woodland team that had had lost a game. It was kind of a little iffy. I wanted to see what Holy Cross was about. They lost to Ansonia a couple weeks prior but I heard that they had some players, and sure enough, they did. And I got there a little late, but I saw Thomas Legey run for 188 yards on 28 carries and score four touchdowns. The first one I saw was a 33-yard touchdown pass and catch and run from David Kapriski, the Oxford transfer quarterback. They also had Marquise Campbell scoring on these great touchdown passes from from Kapriski, the 34-yard touchdown pass, and Holy Cross was able to withstand a few charges by Woodland to get back in the game. They had a couple great great catches by Nathan Bodnar and Josh Morales to get within one point at halftime, and, but Holy Cross was able to pull away in the second half. And, uh, you know, I thought Holy Cross was good, but, you know, speaking of Ansonia, the Chargers just continue to win in the NBL. They won their 100th victory on Thursday night against Waterbury Career Academy, which gave him a fight, 28, sorry, 27 to eight, you know, but that was a game that was pretty close for a little while, but Ansonia won its hundredth game against NVL opponents. That you know, included- I'm so happy for the NVL. Uh, this is a league accomplishment. This is congratulations to the NVL for just being purely dominated by one team for the last 11 years. Congratulations to the NVL. You did it. You did it. A full decade of uh, getting bulldozed by every form of Ansonia team that come through the pipe. I mean, Ansonia's had some great teams in there, but not not like not overwhelming recently. teams like Alex Thomas and and and, and Markel uh, Newsom. That was only early in the decade. They had some good players, but they certainly were. You know, they got beat by Bloomfield a few times in state championships and state playoffs. They got beat by they lost know, to Regional. They got beat by Newtown. I mean. Granted, that's a different thing, but you know, NVL. <laughs> how do you lose? Just, see, this is and this that what what I just said previously. It's not a shot at the teams in the league. It's a shot at the league. Okay, the good days are gone. It's over. This keeping integrity with history or whatever the nonsense that comes out of it uh, uh, when they talk about not joining the alliance. And this is not a pro alliance stance, but. Get out there, play other teams. Clearly, playing each other is not working anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you should rename the Naugatuck Valley League. It's Ansonia's league. They're just letting you play nine other games on their schedule. 95 consecutive regular season games. That's official regular season games. You have another five playoff games, two in the state playoffs, and then three NVL championships. I mean, it's been... And in a year that you think Ansonia finally, you know, it's a down year coming off a pandemic, not the numbers you're used to. I mean, Ansonia's never had great numbers or class S school, but 
you know, they do have McKnight and they do have are getting better every week. And I saw Holy Cross. I didn't see I I've not seen Ansonia, but I did see Holy Cross. I thought Holy Cross had some players. And for Ansonia to, you know, to handle them, they handled them. Uh, speaks to the coaching staff, the great coaching staff they have there, Brockett and the guys, and that they're just able to be to be excellent. But you know, to oh, your point, got- as far as the alliance is concerned, you know, I have my serious issues with the alliance. Uh, they need to figure out what they are. What are you? Are you a league? Or are you not? I like the idea of, of playing a football league. I do not like playing random teams and then hopefully you get enough points to be a playoffs. You know, the CIC needs to fix a playoff system. I don't think we need we, we need to fix that. We need to get rid of this point system because we're going to talk about that right now because the CIC has done nothing other than this this thing with Al Carbone where they add points if, if you play a tougher schedule, if you play an alliance game, but it's not going to be the cure-all that maybe they thought it might be. It's going to add some, you know, some stre- schedule strength points, but it's not going to change a whole lot, at least – Looking back, we'll see what happens this year because it's certainly a lot more alliance games involved this year than in years past. But if you look at 2019, it wouldn't have, it would have changed the seedings and double all. I think that's about it. Maybe something else. So what are we doing here? It feels like we've reached a critical mass here because we got the alliance schedules. They're doing what they're doing. They're matching teams up. But what are we doing? What does this entail? You have some teams that are only contributing one game. You have in leagues that want to be leagues, but what is a league and what does it do, Pete? Like what I just, you know. Let's just say, let's just stop beating around the bush. We're looking at Class L. There are three tech schools that are in the top five, and they if the if the three of those teams split, they will all be going to the playoffs probably in Class L, and three really good teams will be on the outside looking in. And let's just say that's what it is. We're staring at Cheney Tech's four and zero. Thames River is 4-0, and Quinnebog is 4-0, and they're sitting at 2, 3, and 5 right now in the playoffs. Now, a lot can happen, and a lot can change, but we know in our experience of doing this that when there are one good, one or two good tech schools, we saw with ATI and Bullard Havens the last half decade, those teams are going to make the playoffs. They're going to lose one game, probably to each other, and the other one will go 10-0, and and they're both going to go to the playoffs. The problem is all three of them are in the same class and that is causing a huge problem again if the season ended today which it's not it's just a hypothetical you know cheney and thames river are going to host a home game quinnabog's going to be the number five seed well you know what's going to happen and what our experience tells us our experience tells you that they're going to lose that game and then we're going to have three teams on the outside looking in and it's going to push for well we need more teams in the playoffs right and that's and you know what if that's why the coaches want more teams in the playoffs, then I'm okay with that. I get you why you argue don't with them in this. I mean, you know, you can see their point here. This is, it, this is a problem. CIAC Mike tomorrow brought it up. Um, Mike tomorrow brought it up. We talked about it on our call. We're going to write about it. Mike beat us the punch in the day in New London, but you look at the playoff standards right now. It is a joke. Class L. These are not class L programs. There is a, you can't CIAC in the bottom line here, in my opinion, you cannot judge these schools now by class. You can't do it. There are economic disparities. There are, you know, you have Fairfield County teams that, that can basically have unlimited amounts of funds. You have tech schools, which should be playing. We didn't have tech programs. That's a great thing. More people playing, playing football, but they are not, I repeat, not at the same level as, look at this class L. St. Joseph, Cheney Tech. Cheney Tech and St. 
Joe for them to not be anywhere near each other. If they did, if coaches didn't pull people off the field for injury and not wanting to run up the score, I don't even want to know what the score of that game would be. Channing Tech is a great, is a good tech program. They should be playing among teams of its ilk. You know, teams that are at its level. That should be what's going on with Channing Tech. They should have it. They should not go to St. Joseph and get their doors blown off or Quinnebog or, you know, it's not happening. And to the CTC guys who think everything's great and they want to be at the table, at the playoff table, not like this. This just makes a mockery of the whole thing. And it's almost like, what are we doing? Yep. CIC needs to change this. And they need, and the, from what I understand, oh, well, the CTC needs to make a proposal. No, they don't. You need to change it. The football committee needs to change it. Guys on the football committee need to start thinking progressively here. This 1976 playoff formula when we had 800 leagues and we didn't know how to really figure it out. That was fine in 1976. It was fine in 1992. It was fine in 2006. But then we started to figure out a lot of teams didn't want to start playing each other. Because, oh, well, that's a class double L school. I'm a class S. What am I doing? You saw the SEC change. Then you saw the ECC almost tear itself apart because nobody wanted to play NFA. You know, and then, uh, you know, coaches at the very end of the day want to have a chance to be competitive. However, the other side of it, Pete, is, you know, you can't win all your games. If you're not a good coach or you're not a good team or your program, you, you know, need to do some work. We're not giving you a good schedule just to give you a good schedule or, you know, you're not, you shouldn't be allowed to just play if you want. Playing field is a good example of that. They don't want to be involved in the Alliance uh, in the C in the ECC, but so they go out, they schedule Rhode Island teams. They play in, you know, JV New Haven Amistad. They had capital prep there twice. Like that shouldn't be allowed to happen either. That's a joke. So the reason why they do this is so they can teams like this leagues like this can game the system. The system needs to be completely overhauled. That's my two cents or <laughs> whatever on it. Be. It's a joke. Well, the thing is, the thing that I've learned about the CIAC is that they are um, when it comes to changing things in sports, they are reactive and not proactive. And what is going to happen is if three tech schools make the class L playoffs, yep. they will be forced to do something. And it's going to come at the expense of three better football teams that are on the outside looking in, wondering what the heck could we have done different? Just look at class and, L. Look at this, Pete. I know. I'm looking I mean, at I it. go all the way down to number 20, Xavier, two and two. They're the 20th ranked team. Who's above them? Weathersfield and Newington. Newington at four and one. They're the 18th ranked team in class L and Right now, we're looking at a scenario where Quinnebog, Thames River, and or uh, Cheney Tech are going to be ahead <laughs> of these teams. And again, it's not to disparage them, but they do not belong in class L. We, you know, no, I the, know the tech school, the tech league should be like the Ivy League. Let them play a regular season. Let them all play each other. That's fun. That's exciting. You get to see who the best team is, right? Like you said, you could look at the schedule and say, well, who, who do they have to play, you know, to become the you know the 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 top of the league or anything like that like and if you want to include them in the states like include them with like some of the other co-op schools from the Pequot or something like that like look it's not being mean it's not being rude it's not offending these programs they do a great job but this is St. Joe's this is Maloney this is Windsor this is Cheshire 
These are the teams that they would currently play in the playoffs right now. I mean, if you look at it, Windsor would go to Cheney Tech. Can't have it. Uh, it, it you know, Bristol Central is going to Thames. Um, if it's and then today, yeah. if the season ended today and Maloney would host Quinnebach Maloney, who's played Windsor in the playoffs has played hand in the playoffs. Right. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's not it's fair. Massive... And the problem, the problem that I have, my biggest thing is if you read our, our, our columnist, Jeff Jacobs story, he wrote about uh, the Alliance and, and the CTs, they're just happy to have a seat at the table. They'll go their nine and one, their 10 and zero, lose by 50 in the first round of the playoffs, you know, clean their hands and say, that was great. Yeah. Here is my plea to all these coaches who want to think getting in at six and four is what they should. First of all, that shouldn't be the case, you know, seven and three, you know, we don't need more playoff teams, but because everybody seems to be on that train, here's my plea to you guys. If you're going to create two more playoff divisions, do not do it by class or do not do it strictly by class. Maybe have two or, th- or maybe have three or four by class, but the other two have to be a tech co-op because they're, di- it's a different, it's, you know, it's not, it's like, it's like putting eight man football into, <laughs> into the equation. And I, you know, I'm not despairing of seeing it, but you know, it's, it, they're different. Co-ops are different. You know, some teams co-op just so they can get, you know, we want more kids to participate, yes, but adding more teams, adding more playoff teams just to get more playoff teams is not going to move the needle. Um, but, you know, I, I think adding two playoff divisions where it's a specialty division, a tech, maybe a tech division where the top two will play a state championship, or you have a tech slash co-op division where, you know, because you know, that's what the Peacock is. It's a co-op league right now at this point. There's only like, what? couple teams that like Morgan and North Brantford, but their numbers are so low. Um, they might just co-op. Yeah. Together. I mean, it's a, so, you know, that's a, that's a situation there, you know, and maybe you have a co-op league. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame. That's actually fun. Yeah. I, the they, only, the only non-co-op or something else, but not this, the, just the only non washing your hands of, of, uh, of just going by class and my combined class, completely wash your hands of it is not how we need to be only. We need to make a change right now. But again, I think it will be after the fact because the CIAC is reactive, not proactive. Yeah, they're going to sit there and they say, "Well, we're." They're going to they're going to have four of their four of their um they're going to have uh, three of their four class L quarterfinal games being one uncovered because I don't think anyone's going to want to cover that anywhere in the state. And two, they're going to be blowouts across the board. We think that the, the quarterfinal games have been bad the last couple of years. Wait till we had three tech schools. And what happens if if it works out where the two tech schools have each other and then one of them's going to the semifinals and has to go to St. Joe's. Yeah. Or Ham. Huh. Or, or, yeah. Or Cheshire, Cheshire. Or Windsor. I mean good I luck. Just, one of these teams are going to be screaming bloody murder. Bloody yeah. murder! About if that. I right now, I would be if if I if if any team should be screaming bloody murder in 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 L, it's Cheshire. Yeah, because <laughs> you're sitting there at eight, being like, "Ooh, three tech schools," and you're like, "Nah, nah." You get to go. Bottom to- line is, you need to match up your schedules with how the playoffs are formed. They're, they're right now they're two diametrically opposed things. You have a philosophy here and a philosophy there, and they're not meshing. Which is why Jason Bruin is mad about the CCC aligning into power structures which is what you should do now. 
we should be doing it like the CC, the CCC, maybe even the SEC did it, where you rank them by your size, but also your conference power, or or sorry, your 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 program's strength, and then you make adjustments every two or three years. Yep. This this thing where you know where the the schedules are a mess on one side, and then you have the playoffs, which is you know basically archaic. 1976 was the last time we did anything legitimate with that. It's been the same thing other than, you know, it's just a, it's just bad. And the CIC is going to be like, well, we're an education thing. And, and no, we just, we're just wanting you know, opportunities. And, you know, they not, you know what? I don't want to hear it because this is, this is uh, people take this stuff seriously and you need to take it seriously. And if the football committee doesn't want to make a change on this, then they're going to have to all go too. I mean, because we've had the same guys in the football committee for years and it might be time for some new guys to figure this out and Pete, we could go on and on forever about this thing but the producers which is us are <laughs> telling us tell us it's time for the the game time ct top 10 which we just received and uh just looking at the graphic here and uh you know not a lot happened for the the top 10 fared the only teams that played were ridgefield which beat up on stanford and southington which at number 10 which beat up on middletown and at the end of the day, the top 10 is, whoa, actually, it's a little different. Um, it's uh, Southington moves up to number nine, tied with Killingly. So there you go. But other than that, everything's pretty much the same. You have Southington at nine, tied with Killingly. Fairfield Prep sitting at eight again. Ridgefield, Norwalk, Hall, Greenwich, New Canaan, St. Joseph, Darien. Second verse, same as the first. Dominated by the FCAC. Six of the top seven are all FCAC teams. And seven of the top eight are all from Fairfield County. So, uh, and then it's the only thing I guess we can look at are the other receiving votes. And Sonia is 11. Shelton is 12. Newtown, 13. Bloomfield, 14. Cheshire, 15. Trumbull, 16. And those Trumbull guys still go away. Wait a minute. Did we beat Shelton? Well, you know, we could sit here all day about that too, because it's just, you know, it's impossible with, the transitive property teams being beaten this team and that team and beating this team is impossible to figure out. Yeah, it's, it's hard. We got some messages last week from some people from Trumbull and they're like, how are we in the top 10? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, you lost to Staples. And they're like, yeah, well, Shelton has a loss to us. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, it's just not, a, it's an imperfect science. You know, we'll, we'll never be able to make everyone happy. And, uh, you know, the way I look at it is just I hope we get it right by the end of the year. So with all that said, that's the top 10. It's going to be a big week this week coming up. We've got uh, St. Joseph is playing host to Greenwich. It's going to change. And and Norwalk is playing host to New Canaan. New Canaan finally getting into the season here. They played hand. It was a barn. Turned out to be a barn burner game. I thought they could have won pretty handily. Now they had a little bit. You have some time off. They beat North Haven. Now we get to see a little bit of New Canaan coming up here. And uh, it should be another good week. Hall is playing Platt, which is kind of lying in the weeds there. Uh, Ridgefield gets West Hill. Fairfield Prep plays Notre Dame, which is coming off a big win uh, from uh, off the bye. Killingly finally getting back. So it's not going to everything's going to change, especially in the next three weeks, because it's going to be pretty soon before he knows it's going to be Ridgefield versus uh, St. Joseph and then St. Joseph versus Darian, and then away we go. That's the pole blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna blow up. That's so our producer like sound pole, effects. So if you don't like the pole, it's like New England weather. Just wait a few weeks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, wait a few, 
Oh man, it's getting cold out there and it's getting uh it's getting warmer here. So anyway, uh, all right, so let's uh find our let's get our guest on this week, Mars Petrosi of Trumbull. Joining us on the show is of course the head football coach of the Trumbull Eagles. It's Mars Petrosio joining us here. I've known Mars forever. My God, he was one of the first coaches I got to know when I came to when I started doing this and the first time we actually had him on our own pod. Wait, right? Our own podcast? No, we well, yes. It's the first time we've had him on ours, but we were on a podcast back when I was at the Norwalk Hour. And we the had a uh, podcast. Yeah, the Laxworm podcast. Oh, and, we had, and we had Coach Petraccio on there. That was uh, a lot of memorable moments from that episode. Right. I don't know Come if on. you could still find the footage, Sean, but. <laughs> Welcome, Mars. Thanks, guys. How we doing? Ah, you know, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, sitting here at three and one is kind of nice. Yeah, so uh, three and one, you, know, you were pretty, you were a little excited. You were caught, you know, coaches don't get excited too much in the preseason. Yeah. You know, Sal Morel got excited and, and and his team hasn't won a game yet. You know, yeah. well, and I know everyone's like, what's going on for another Middletown team? I know coaches really don't want to like get too optimistic, but at the same time, you want to pump your kids off. And you were, uh, you were pretty, you know, you kind of threw the gauntlet down for them. And then you start off the season you know, going down a big against your old haunt. You go back home. It was like a big homecoming, Mars. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you guys almost laid an egg. You came back and then, you, you know, you throw a touchdown. Yeah, you, start, you, you threw a touchdown pass the other way. Right. Uh, and you started off 0-1. That must have really hurt. But now you've come back here. And I think this is more like the team you were talking about, huh? Absolutely, Sean. You know, we just... You know, we felt like, you know, after the Staples game, of course, you got to give credit to Staples. I mean, they, they really did a nice job against us. But we, we I think it really showed that we just haven't played enough football. And when you put us in that environment right off the get-go, I think the kids were kind of like, wow, this, <laughs> you know, I don't, the stage was really big. Let's put it that way. And, you know, the good news is, and this is what we came out of that game with was, you know, prior years, you know, we would have just folded our tents and the score would have been 42 to 14 and that would have been it, you know, but the comeback, you know, in the second half and we felt like we really got a few things uh, straightened out and got our act together a little bit, um, you know, gave us hope, uh, was unfortunate that, you know, we threw the, the pick at the end, but I mean, that's football. One, one play is not going to win or lose a game. Unfortunately, it happened at a bad time, but we just felt like, you know, after the pick with 17 seconds left, you know, we come right down the field again. And, you know, if, if we had a sophomore in and if he just turns the right way, the ball goes right in his hand and the game is over. And having said that, if we could kick an extra point early on, we're taking the knee at the end. So it's all the, you know, shoulda, woulda, couldas, and if right. this and if that. But the bottom line is we were 0-1 and we're, we're not feeling too good about ourselves. And then we go to Ludlow and that's a complete, you know, I mean, we counted, there's probably about nine things that went wrong in that game for us. And, uh, you know, Ludlow, they, you know, they played hard. They're, they're not a bad football team. And nope. we got to win at the end with Corbin Smith picking the ball up off the ground and dodging five people and going in for a two-point play. And we're just trying to tie it. So, once again, the kicking game was not great. And all of a sudden, you know, Corbin Smith walks up to me in, in, on practice on Monday and says, you know, Coach, I can kick. I'm like, <laughs> Geez, thanks for letting me know. We're not a minute too late. Sure enough, you know, he's our kicking game has been totally changed. And, you know, we came in, came with our first home game 
here. You know, there's a humongous crowd. It was great. We were fired up and had a chance to play a uh, Shelton team that, you know, had just beaten Greenwich and uh, kids played awesome. What we're finding out now, guys, is that we're beginning to play pretty good defense, you know, and that's, that helps us when things don't go right offensively. You know, you mentioned uh, learning things after the, the Staples game. Obviously, you mentioned Corbin Smith being able to kick. Did you also, did you guys also learn, like, let's put the ball in his hands a thousand times and see what happens? Because I got to watch him play this past weekend. And I mean, obviously, if you don't know, he has a background in rugby. And the way he moves is just, it's incredible. It was incredible to watch. But was that one of the things that you kind of learned out of it, you know, out of that game? Like, hey, we need to try and get the ball in his hands as much as we can because. I mean, that play at the end of the, the first half against West Hill, it's fourth down. There's like six seconds left. I believe you guys called the timeout. You come out of it. Now you're not punting. You throw a short little slant to him, and all of a sudden it's 41 yards, and he's in the end zone. You guys are up by three scores. Right. And we're, instead of going in, the, in, in at halftime angry, we're like, we're excited. So Yeah. We, we really felt like that we had to find different ways to get you know, to get him. He's got he's to touch the ball a minimum 15 times a game. Um, and he's dynamic. And, you know, as, as, as I told, you know, the, uh, the papers that day, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when a, a home run hitter comes up, you know, like Babe Ruth, you know, everybody stops what they're doing. You put your food down or Pete Alonso, because I'm a Met fan, of course, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you put your, your beer down, your soda down, and everybody's watching you. And they want to see, can he hit it out? And it's pretty much when he touches the ball, people, people kind of like, I wonder what he's going to do. And he's done some amazing things. I mean, I haven't seen moves like that since the Jimmy Hughes days. And that's yeah, saying you, something. Yeah, yeah, you said that to me after the game. You're like, yeah. you, you know, said that to me at the beginning of the season. <laughs> yeah. Except, but Jimmy Hughes can't kick. I he learned that. Kick. No, Jimmy, <laughs> he could not. He'd do a lot, but he could not kick. You know, um, so you're right. We got to put the ball in his hands more, and that's what we're trying to do. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Good. Oh, no. I mean, you were just talking about the defense. And, you know, you got some guys out there like Sol Owen Solano, Peterson, some big guys on the line. But who have been some of the guys on D that have really stepped up for you guys? Well, I think, you know, I think up front, uh, we've had this kid, uh, Xavier Richardson, who's a junior. Uh, he just, we, we haven't in the past, guys, we haven't had defensive linemen that'll come off blocks and make plays, you know? We've had guys that can close and keep the people off backers, but to actually have guys make plays, that, that's what we had this year. You know, we've got uh, Dylan Moran, Xavier. We've got a, a mixture of guys uh, inside, uh, Jake Delfino. And, and then, of course, you have Cooper Dayton. We have two really good defensive ends that can kind of set the line. And then the linebacking core uh, has been tremendous. Jake Peterson is all over the field. And then Jordan Black, this kid number nine, is just tremendous. You know, he's – he is, he's a tough kid now and he loves football and it's helped us because, um, you know, in, in the back end, the secondary uh, has been much better than it's been here in, in the past. Uh, it's nice when it's first and 10 and it's second and nine, it's third and eight, you know, it, it changes the game for us. Um, and if we can continue to do that, we're going to need that to, to keep this thing rolling. If we can't stop people, uh, that's when it starts to get ugly. Yeah. Jake Peterson obviously had that, funny play on on saturday where he picks up the kid from west hill i thought he was going to suplex him literally wow. lifts him above his head and then it's just like eh, i'm just going to carry him out of bounds well here's the here's the backstory of that he uh in preseason we were scrimmaging hill house 
and he tackles a kid and that's exactly what he did guys he suplexed the kid and bumped him on his head and it was a loss and then it was a 15 yard penalty for unnecessary rubs and we're like oh my god if you ever do that again you know what i mean <laughs> i won't tell you what we said but we I just <laughs> made our point pretty clear and uh he um I could tell him he wanted to do it, but you know, it was the devil on one shoulder saying, do it, do it. And the angel on the other saying, no, don't, don't Jake, that's not nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> and thank God, thank God. He just walked. I mean, basically walked the kid out of bounds. <laughs> he did. I said, I do. I said to him after the game, I was like, dude, just walk him back 20 yards for another safety. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Right. So those I've never things- seen anything like that before. <laughs> no. Well, at least you know he's listening to the coaches, right? Yeah. So yes. That's, yes. that's a positive. He did everything but hold his hand. <laughs> oh, my God. It's crazy. You know, that's a great play, man. I was we do some strange things here sometimes. I'll be honest with you. So that's one of them. Take me take me back a bit. How I mean, we're talking about Corbin, you know, and obviously he's going to be the talk of the team right now because he's just putting up ridiculous numbers. And now he's kicking for you. It's going to be even more. But take me back. He, this kid that didn't play for you a couple of years ago when we, you know, as a sophomore. Granted, you know, but how did he end up coming back? Like, you didn't have him last year because no one had anything last year. But how did you know he's a rugby kid? But how did he, you know, what 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 was your interactions with him maybe beforehand? And how did he end up on the team? Well, you know, I wish it was more dramatic, but quite honestly, you know, he played freshman football. And that year, I mean, this this team is as freshman, like two and eight. It was our first year here. Um, You know, we had to make some changes after, but. Uh, he didn't really have a great experience. He was, you know, he was a kid that was, they put him everywhere and he really never could get the ball. Um, so his sophomore year, uh, I'm like, where is Corbin Smith? And they're like, well, he's not going to play. He's going to concentrate on rugby. I never coached him. I, I really didn't hear much about him. I heard he was really a good player, but I hadn't seen him at all, uh, except for a couple of freshman games. And so all of a sudden, um, the uh, summer that sophomore year going into the junior year, you know, he comes up and says, coach, I want to play football. I'm like, uh, okay. And you are, he's like Corbin Smith. I'm like, okay, sure. So, you know, he's, he's a great kid. He doesn't miss weightlifting. He's done everything. I heard a lot about him. We get to seven on sevens last year and people are struggling to even tag him at seven on sevens. So I'm like, wow, this, this kid is pretty legit. I want to see him when he actually has, pads on and sure enough you know the first scrimmage he was just we scrimmage hill house he made about seven kids miss on a just a bubble play i'm like oh. this kid special so that that's that's it guys that's the story he just came out of kind of came out of nowhere asked to play football and it's like okay and uh away we went but he's also got a little of that you know that attitude oh, that you kind of need oh, to have yeah, oh yeah he's 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 got that it factor that's for sure you know he's not afraid I mean, the touchdown guys before the half, he's like, coach, let's just go for it. Let me, you know, hit me on a, hit me on a, uh, whatever I, you know, whatever we call it, you know, just hit me. I'll, I'll just go to the house. I'm like, uh, okay. All right. You know what? Get the punt team off, <laughs> get him back on. I mean, he's just, you know, he's when he, even the punt, uh, Pete, if you remember, he fumbled the punt return, mm-hmm. he's like, coach, let me just return this punt because I will score. I'm like, okay, but he was going so fast forward. The ball happened to hit off his chest. And he, even then, he still almost caught it. He was still running, dodging people while he's trying to catch the ball. It was a line drive punt. And I was like, when I saw him back there, and then it was a line drive punt, I was like, he's going to house this. If, yeah. Like, because he's going to catch it on the run and they're going to be going the other way. <laughs> no, it's, it's incredible. You know, the, the great thing about this kid is that 
He's a great teammate. He's a hard worker. You know, he's not, um, he's not, he's not cocky, but he's confident, you know, which, which we, which we love. And he, he's constantly got suggestions. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'll share this with you guys, you know, after the, uh, after the game against West Hill, we ran a play and he broke it inside and he got tackled for, I don't know, about a 14 yard gain. That's it. So, that's it. So he texts me out of nowhere. I'm at this, you know, party and he's, I get this text from him. He's like, coach, I just watched the film. I want to let you know that, uh, you know, I kind of screwed up and I took the ball inside. I won't do that again. Uh, I'll, I'll fix whatever has to be fixed. And next time I'll score. And that's just, you know, you, you, you this is, this is a, you know, this is a lifetime kid that you, you that I'm coaching here. I'm very fortunate to have him. Great kid, great teammate, great player. Love, love to have him, and glad we have him. To be honest with you, how do you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some of your player, uh, your other players, know like, oh no, get him the ball because we want to win too. But you know, there's got to be some guys where you know you, you gotta, you gotta share it a little bit. You know, obviously yeah. you don't want to give it just to him, and you got Owen Solano who's really good, and and uh, no doubt, you know, Curly's the tight end. You know, he's he can catch me. So uh, you know, how do you, how does a coach balance it? What's that? Carly's from? one of the three stooges. Okay, Sean, his name is Ben Carly. Carly, Carly, <laughs> Carly. So anyway, uh, no, I'm, I'm, you know, no, I'm, it's no, all right. No, it's no. all right. All right. So, I've been known um, to get things wrong constantly. So, well, the good news is is that our quarterback is having a tremendous year. You know, Hunter Agosti, and he really does spread the ball around quite a bit. And we've used Corbin in a number of different ways, whether it's a pass, a run, you know. He's the tailback in the, in the jumbo set. I mean, so I guess the, these kids here, they're, they're, they're awesome. Okay. Everybody is on board, you know, no, there's no jealousies. There's no, why aren't, well, how come I'm not getting the ball? There's none of that. They, you know, they haven't won here guys in so long that they're riding this, this wave of the fact that we're actually winning games. Like it's funny. Um, <laughs> my brother, my twin brother wasn't at the game against Shelton. And he said, uh, it's funny. I got the score and the score was three to two. And he didn't say who was winning. I said, well, okay, well, the score was 41 to seven. Right. And he said, he texts me back. Oh, really sorry about the loss. Don't worry. You'll come back next time. And I'm like, bro, we won. <laughs> so, you know, this is the kind of thing that's going on here. People are just not used to Trumbull high winning football games and especially beating a team that, you know, they shouldn't beat. So, the point of it is the attitude of the team is great. Nobody's really concerned about who's getting the ball. They just want to win. And they understand that, you know, whenever he touches it, it can, it can go, you know, so they're happy for him. Did you look at that? You, you looked at your, you know, you guys were making mistakes. You said about Ludlow, you win on basically a botched extra point. You're playing Shelton, which just beat the hell out of Greenwich. Right. You know, and you know, you're looking at the film Everyone's like, oh, my God, Trumbull's in big trouble because the last two times they played not too long ago, Shelton, you know, took him to the woodshed. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, when you're looking at the film, what did you what did you legitimately think that you could possibly do? Well, we just we, we felt like we matched up a little bit better. Um, it, it, it almost seemed like Greenwich uh, really was not expecting that. Well, they're, they're heavy set, they're jumbo set. They take the tackle, they move them over with the tackle, they take a tight end. They take the entire town of Shelton, including everybody at Porky's, and they put them on one side. And then they, you know, they got two people on the other side, and they've got this, these two monsters pulling. 
that are going to, you know, the kid Wiener and uh, I forget the other kid's name, but they're, they're really good football oh, yeah. players. And they are, you know, they're knocking Greenwich backwards. And it, I don't think Greenwich was really quite ready for that set. Didn't know how to line up. Didn't know what to do. Um, in the second half, Greenwich does a little bit better job, but we just felt like, you know, we felt like we could match up. Uh, we've got some big kids. Uh, we can put them in the right places and maybe make them struggle to, to move the ball. Um, you know, they're a well-coached team. Their coach here is doing a great job. They're tough kids, all that stuff. And, you know, in the, in, in our, you know, in our staff room, we're like, man, this is our Waterloo here. You know, we, we're either going to sink or swim after this game. We're going to figure out what we're really made of. And the kids came out and they just did a tremendous, tremendous job. And I think us scoring first and then scoring again, kind of took them out of their, you know, they weren't, they weren't going to be able to pound the ball the entire game. And when they couldn't move it to pound the ball, they kind of had to go to their spread set, which, you know, I don't think that's really their bag. Nope. You know, they really want to run the ball downhill and, and beat the living hell out of you. And if they can't do that, there's not a lot of answers, you know? So um, it was a huge win for us, no doubt. And uh, you said beat- coach, it was the yes. signature win that you've been looking for since you got here. Exactly, Sean. It's the first one we've had. We haven't had one here in my four years here. So now all of a sudden, you know, kids are excited. Kids in school are excited. You know, people want to come to games. And so it's, it, we had quite a crowd here. I, I don't know what the final time was. Definitely over 3,000 people here for that one game. So I just think, you know, it kind of lit the match a little bit. Let's hope we can keep it lit. That, that's, uh, that's our next goal. And, and you, and that was a, you know, that's a game that's, you know, those communities are pretty close and they never play. Oh, it's yeah. like, they never play because there's one. Oh, lead yeah, it's, and two. A border war. it's a board war. There's no doubt, you know? Um, so the kids understood the importance of it. And uh, you know, we just, we just, we, we played almost a, uh, almost a flawless game. Not a lot of penalties, great defense, move the ball on offense, mix things up. Uh, we were pretty excited about that. And now, you know, now it's going to get interesting, guys. It really is for everybody. You know, there's yeah. going to be some great games coming up. You've got Greenwich, St. Joe's right this week uh, in the league. You know, we, we play Greenwich next week, and it's going to get it's going to get funky. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. uh, you know you get the job? This is you played there. You played for, on a state championship team, right? Um. And, you know, your mentor was Coach McDougal, who's, you know, obviously just a legend in the state. Um, died way too young, uh, you know, and that was sad, but he was a great guy, and I had a great relationship with him. Um, you know, you, you take this opportunity that just presented itself to go back home, and that was a big deal. And, but just how the, this, how frustrating was it for you for you to just not be able to kind of win right away? I mean, did you really think you could just get in there? Like, I'm Mars Petrosky. I did all this with Staples. I could get in there and... <laughs> and turn Trumbull into this powerhouse immediately. But it didn't quite happen like that. And I think a lot of people thought that it's kind of like what happened. But, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about the last four years. And, you know, was it, was it, a, was it a kind of a disappointing for you? Well, you know, I, I, it wasn't really disappointing as much, as much as it was just frustrating because I knew the pieces were there. I, we, we knew the pieces were in the building. We just had to get those kids to want to play, you know, and, and it was – you know, it, it had its ups and downs, but, you know, I don't have, I don't have any regrets. I loved my time at Staples. Um, 
But here, you know, I mean, Buddy Bray went to school with the basketball coach since the second grade. So, you know, the, the guy, Scott Sikora, he's in, he's head of security, he's a year ahead of me. Uh, the human resource woman is, is Mary Luba. Well, now her name is Mary, uh, connect me, right? There you go. So we all went to school together, you know, I mean, so there's so many connections here that it's. And to be honest, sometimes I feel like I'm almost back in high school because I'm pretty immature sometimes. You know? <laughs> it's the bottom line is that yes, it was frustrating. Yes, we really wanted. I think a lot of people thought we were just going to walk in here and going to win a state championship, and we knew that you know the the pieces were not quite there, and the kids kids had to get used to our style of coaching. You know, it's you know Bobby had his way, and and we have ours, and they're not really similar in a lot of different ways, but. The bottom line was, in my opinion, guys, we had to have a signature win to get people excited. And in those first two years, and we're not going to count last year, they just weren't there. And, you know, and we took some steps back my second year by going three and seven. Now, you know, honestly, you know, the, the certainly the schedule didn't help us. You know, we played for my first two years, we played Greenwich, we played Darien, we played Richfield, and we played St. Joe's, you know, so uh, it was just like, you know, it was like, talk about the meat grinder. That's a meat grinder. So we couldn't really get any footing, you know, now we kind of got a little bit of footing and hopefully, you know, things will turn out, but I, I, I have no regrets. I love my time at Staples. Uh, but I love my time here too. That's for sure. You know, look, going back, you know, you've been coaching a long time now. It's like 30 years or something now in high school. Um, maybe a little more, you know, we talk about all the time. It, it, what's changed really what is the biggest thing you got to deal with? and i know you know we, we we can say you know everyone says the same thing but i want to hear it from you like what yeah what's really different about high school football well, now i think a couple things you know uh you know i think you know in a few years back concussions really changed the game uh because parents you know we still hear it to this day sometimes you've got some kids walking around here to play baseball that could certainly play football in our feet but parents will not allow them to play because they still think the game is dangerous. And it's, it's not, um, it's never been more safe than it is now. So, but, and you hear, I don't know if you guys know this, but you really don't hear that much about concussions and concussions. No. I think as coaches, we've done a tremendous job, but you know, I, I think uh, what's changed is, you know, these little, uh, these little, these little things right here, these little phones. Okay. You know, social media, uh has really you know it can be a it can be a great help and it can kill you sometimes um the fact that you know uh you you have parents now that can contact you without contacting you basically uh is an interesting uh dynamic sometimes too you know people can just pick up their phone and text you and say whatever they want and uh and they can, or they can email you they can do whatever they want so uh i've seen more more parental involvement uh maybe than I've ever seen. And, and, you know, I, my best friend is Steve Adaz. He's at Colorado state and he tells me he's at the college level too. So um, yeah. I think that's, that's what's changed uh, on, on a, on a good note. You know, I think that the conditioning of players now and the weightlifting and, and we've got some really phenomenal players in the state of Connecticut. Um, and, and that that's changed for the better. Um, you know, back in the, in the old days, kids, you know, they kind of lifted and they did their thing. And now you've got quarterback coaches. You've got, you've got a lot of things that, um, you know, that encompass the program. So I just, you know, and, and quite honestly, kids are overbooked. They really are. 
and I mm. see with my own daughter now, you know, um, she's a basketball player, but she's in AP honors classes. She's got driver's ed. She's got ACT prep, SAT prep. It's like, holy cow, you know, when I was growing up, we just, if school was over, you went outside and you, you just played, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think kids get a chance to play anywhere. Everything is very, very specialized, you know, again, with the quarterback coaches and you know, linemen guys and who's a trainer and who's a speed coach. And it goes on and on and on and on. But, you know, I talk with Craig Bruno all the time about this, you know, and, um, you know, it's, you've got to be careful right now. You cannot get away with things you used to get away with in the old days. That's no. for sure. Careful what you say, how you say it, who you say it to. And, you know, you've just got to, you just got to understand that every kid is different and every kid takes what you say in different ways. So you try to be as positive now as you can, but every once in a while, you know, everybody needs a little, little, what I call scared straight, you know? So that's, that's, that's what's changed. Yeah. I always wonder about that. I always wonder about, you know, everyone says like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Well, you know, there's some things like the junction boy should have been doing, you know what I mean? That's right. pretty obvious. Like, right. you know, you don't want to like put, keep kids lives in jeopardy heat. You know, you have all this, all this, you don't want that. But at the same time, you need to be, this is a hard game. You need to be, yeah. you need to be tough. You need to be a tough game. Right. Um, you know, and I can just see it, you know, coach yells or says the wrong, you know, I've, I've heard of it. I've seen it happen. Coach right. says the wrong thing. Next thing you know, they're out because the parents right. get all up in arms. How do you, I don't know, how do you balance that and do what you need, needs to be done in order to put together a successful football team? I guess winning cures all. There's a lot well, more you can get away I with. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sometimes. You know, still people will give you their opinion on what they think. But, um, I, you know, look, at, you know, we coach in a shark tank. Okay, we really do. Uh, and, you know, we don't get paid a heck of a lot of money to do what we do. And we don't do it for the money anyway. Um, I just think that, you know, now I have two daughters. They're grown. They're, they're, they both play sports at Richfield High School. So for me, sometimes I got to just, I have to step back and, and, and say to myself, how would my daughter feel if I said what I'm about to say to this kid? Mm. How would she feel coming home? What, what would I think when she came home and told me that? So, you know, I just think for me at times I have to, I have to temper what I do. And other times I'm like, you know what? I've been coaching 40 years and it's, it's like, I gotta be me. And I, I am, and it's just, it's a, it's a balancing act and it's a minefield. So you yeah. just have to make sure what you have to do guys is you have to make sure that your kids understand that you still care about them and you love them. Okay. And, and you're trying to make them better. So I try to, I try when I, when I do coach hard, you know, I want to love them hard and I want to coach them hard. I want to make sure that when I'm done, they understand that, you know, I kind of try to finish whatever I say with, I know you're better than that. And it kind of tempers, you know, what, what's going on. So guys, I, I you know, someday, hopefully I'll write a book. <laughs> Every once in a while I'll look at Jack and fine. I'll say, you know, chapter five, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I don't just, know how I do it. I don't yeah. know how you do it. I don't know. How, would Coach McDougal be able to do this? I mean, probably because you'd have to adapt. Otherwise, you're gone. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, there are legendary stories about some of the things that, you know, Coach McDougal. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those stories, actually, with Coach McDougal. Please, but, please regale us. Well, but, I mean, I've said this before, but and my friends will watch this and they'll be like, oh, he's not going to tell the story again. But basically, <laughs> you know, I, I, I broke my hand. and he, the, the, I don't want to talk all the, all the particulars. But I showed him my hand and he's like, 
uh, okay, well, the kid kicking has no hands because I guess the kid, he had an accident, his hands blew off and he was our kicker. And he just kind of walked away. I'm like, uh, okay. So I just kept practicing all practice with a broken hand. And when it, what it came down to was when, when practice ended, he said, you know, whatever you do, go to the hospital, get an x-ray, but don't let them put a cast on it. So I go to the hospital. The doctor there is Joe Namus doctor. He takes an wow. x-ray. He says, well, you got four broken bones in your hand. And I said, uh, okay. And I jump off off the gurney. Okay, thanks. Have a nice day. He goes, where are you going? I go, I'm out of here. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, my coach said, you know, no cast. So he said, well, tell your coach. And wasn't really nice what he said. You know, he used a couple of uh, expletives. And I said, no, you can tell my coach that because I'm definitely not telling that. <laughs> so I'm not getting a cast. Make a long story short. It all worked out. But I mean. If I did that today, oh, I'd be on Fox News and CNN. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how he could survive. Although, he, listen, he was such a great guy. He he definitely coached us differently than I coached with him in '92. My one year I came back here, he was a different guy. But we, you know, you either adapt or you know you're like the dinosaurs, you become extinct. You know, coach, uh, like we talked about at the top, you know, this is not our first, you know, podcast interview. We went back to the Laxor pod and we had a really, we had a couple of really good conversations that I really want to touch on, but I do want to bring up one thing if you're willing to talk about it. Um, and I think some people know, but I don't think a lot of people know that number one overall pick Carson Palmer almost went to Staples. Yeah. I find that as one of the most fascinating and stories and St. Joe's after, but I find that one of the most fascinating stories um, that I've ever, you know, heard uh, around the state. And I've only been doing this for a couple of years, but oh, like 10 years now, but you know, how did that, could you just, you know, give us a little kind of background on, on how Carson almost, you know, Carson Palmer, number one overall pick Heisman trophy winner almost goes to Staples to play high school football. Yeah. So I get this call from Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson is a quarterback guru in California. Okay. He's the quarterback whisperer. So he calls me, I'm at Staples and um, it's the spring of uh, Mac DeVito's junior year going into his senior year. And was that like says, 97. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's 97. And he said, this guy's talking to me. I have a, I have this kid in California He's a phenomenal football player. We know about your program. Uh, how would you feel about coming and being him coming to Staples High School and being the quarterback there? So naturally, being the the phenomenal coach that I am, I say, uh, well, I don't even know who this kid is. Number one, number two, I have an all-state quarterback, and I'm certainly not going to move my all-state quarterback for some kid that's sight unseen. So my answer to you is, you know, um, you could try some other schools, but we're not interested. <laughs> How's that for uh, on your resume? It's pretty good, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess he was at St. Joe's for a camp and found out he was bigger at that time than most of their linemen, which of course is not the case now. Right. And he wanted going back to California. Yeah. But I'm um, forever known as the guy that turned on a Heisman trophy winner to be quarterback. Yeah. Joe Del Vecchia was all over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm he, sure. he called oh, yeah. his assistants up and said we just won the next four state champions <laughs> <laughs> i know so you know mac devito says to me to stay coach i i would have played tailback and i said well that would have moved rob rice to receiver yeah. and we don't care we could have done it and i'm like you're right but i mean that's hey, what loyalty gets you sometimes you know mac devito <laughs> was a great high school football oh, player so phenomenal yeah. the best 
great kid, great. He's got a son now. I'm trying to get him to move to Trump. Where is he? <laughs> He's in Westport. So we got to change that vernacular, that's for sure. Mac DeVito was an amazing football player. Oh, I, I actually, that was, he's a little before my time, but I've seen footage of him, you know. Oh, ridiculous. Was, you know, he was absolutely he amazing. Um, he's run an option one game, and he just said, Coach, I know you want me to pitch off the end, but just one time, I just want to run by him. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, just a couple yeah. more. Uh, so you, uh, you mentioned Coach McFarland on your staff. Have you ever thought about helping out at the Staples baseball team? With Jack there, like you know, he helps you out at fumble at Trumbull doing football. Like, can I am I gonna see you coaching first soon? Well, honestly, you know, I really think I could be a difference maker for that program. <laughs> them over the top because they've struggled so much over the past few years. <laughs> Quite honestly, you know, it's funny. We when I worked there, we'd always talk, and I love baseball. And I kind of, you know, I was I kind of threw a little hints out there, but Jack didn't take the bait, so I kind of let it go, you know. But uh, <laughs> No, he's listening. It's nice. I've got, I've got him. I've got Brendan Moore, you know, coaching the offense, you know, been in state championships. I've got Jesse McCray, one state championships in track. I've just got great, great people with me. Jimmy Vadas, who's been with me for, these guys have been with me for a long time. I mean, Jesse's going on year 29. Jack is year 24. And, uh, you know, they're very loyal and I'm, I'm fortunate to have them. Uh, I'll, 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 I will circle around with Jack and see if he needs some help again, but yeah. I think he's got it all pretty much down pat. <laughs> I don't know and how Jack I, does it. Yeah. I don't know how Jack oh, does go that, you know, works at Staples, coaches, baseball, season. he goes football night, you know, he's going back to Staples on the Trumbull bus. <laughs> Imagine can't make it up. Right. Yeah. I, I was like when it went for the opening season, uh, season opener, I was just like, you know, I was telling our columnist, Jeff Jacobs, like you got to talk to Jack. Cause he's, you know, he's straddling the line there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know what's silent, you know, and I, yeah, it's just, and I also heard, uh, who, who was it? Uh, uh, um, oh, Picarillo. Where, where was he on uh, Friday night? Paulie Pick, where was he? I heard he was on, uh, you know, Mr. Shelton, and now he's yeah. one of your teammates. Where yeah. was he? Was he, he said he was going to be, we heard he was going to be at, uh, like right on the, in the middle of the field somewhere, but where did he end up? Was he inching oh, toward your well. side as that scoreboard started going up? Well, here's what he did. So in typical Paul Piccarillo fashion, right? He has these tickets to Sebastian Maniscalco from two years ago. The, the, the thing has been canceled three times. They finally come up with a date. It's the night we play Shelton. Ah, uh, there you go. So he had to go. He called me, you know, but he sent his son, who yeah. was great, who played at Shelton. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Great player. Uh, they're great people. I love those guys. So. Yeah. Um, he was excited, you know, when we won. I, I, I don't want to hurt business for him, so I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But. Oh, uh, believe me, they were going to his, his place right after that game. Drown their oh, sorrows. He <laughs> <laughs> was great That's for cool. business. Yeah, right. I probably made him more money that night, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> well, I got, I got one more because I, I think we've taken up a lot of your yeah. time. But I would be remiss not to ask, how was the tomato crop? Uh, this summer, how is it? You know, I haven't asked you about it. It's been like seven years since we had this conversation about the tomatoes. Yeah, well, no tomatoes this year. None. No. I'm kind of glad because it was so wet. It rained so much. Was I wasn't going to get much out of them. Oh, I'm I'm kind of heartbroken. So, uh, you know, like we mentioned before, I, I just moved to Trumbull. And uh, we have, That's we're right. going to start a garden next year because we moved in kind of at the end of the summer. Um, I, you know, I'm going to need tips. I'm going to need, you know, we might need See, to FaceTime. I'm going to tell you, you're going to, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Okay. Okay. 
you're gonna you're gonna plant some nice eggplant. We're gonna get the tomatoes going. I'll get your cucumbers going. Whatever you need, I got. I have the green thumb. I can grow right. grass anywhere. I can grow food anywhere. The tomatoes are just you know just a pain in my rear end. Uh, <laughs> But I'll All try right. to fix it. Now come over. I'll help you. Whatever you need. I love that. All right. Sounds sounds like a plan. Well, when does when does Pete Jr. when's when he when would he be joining Trumbull's football team? <laughs> oh, let's not let's not. <laughs> Pete's not even married yet. I mean, yeah, let's not, not let's not get crazy here. But but he's uh, in the Trumbull. He's the Trumbull. Uh, you know, he's in the he's Mr. Trumbull resident. This is uh, yeah. This is yeah. We're just, gonna have to get some black and gold. All right. Def. Works for me. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, Mars, before we let you go, you know, uh, yeah. you look, like you said, you look ahead to the schedule and, uh, you know, like you said, it's going to get interesting. I mean, you got you got another game before you got Greenwich in a couple weeks. Trumbull, you know, hasn't been to the playoffs for a few years now. Certainly not when Steve been there. Hasn't won a state championship forever. I mean, like, so, I, I mean, I, but can you feel it? Like, you know, maybe this could be something special here. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I um listen these kids here are they're they're awesome they really are and there's nothing more i'd like to have happen than to have them experience what a playoff game is like in, in the states and never mind you know if we ever make it to going to the state championship would be phenomenal but you know it's it's funny they had to learn how to win and now we learned how to win now we now we had to keep on figuring out how to keep winning you know like we start off a little slow against we're three and out against West Hill right off the bat. So immediately I'm, I'm ticked off, you know, but so, you know, we have Stanford this week and, 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 uh, and then we go with Greenwich and we have, you know, we have Warden Danbury and then uh, we've got our friends up at Richfield. That's all they're talking about the party. We can't wait. We're their right. homecomings. Should That's be right. You're at a party with Richfield kids. Oh yeah. Yes. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Their parents, you know, and other topics, we can't wait for homecoming. Like, uh, aren't we homecoming? They're like, okay. Uh, you know, my daughter, you know, she, <laughs> my daughters will be in black and orange. So they won't get dinner for a couple days after that. <laughs> I was going to say, where are they sitting when that game happens? Oh my God. Yeah. So we got a long way to go here, but, and it's going to tell you guys, for you guys, it's got to be kind of fun in some ways because every week you really don't know what it's going to happen. And there's some great matchups. There really are. Yeah. You know, so like I you said, Mars, we're gonna find out real soon what everyone's made of, but it's been yeah. interesting well, you got so Prep far. Shelton speaking, right? You got What's Prep that? Shelton too, don't you? I think Prep Shelton. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, uh, we got Shelton Shelton Hand this week. Shelton, Shelton Hand. Hand. There you go. Okay, there you go. So it's all gonna sort itself out, guys. I hope when hope we have you know, we can talk again and we're talking about Trump behind the playoffs. Sounds I like good, it. Mars. All right. Well, yeah, don't forget you gotta play St. Joe at the end there too. To... Oh yeah that should be fun I okay good. coach i appreciate you coming on joining us it's always great to have you thanks for joining the meat grinder for the first time ever you're one of the guys who helped coin the phrase the meat grinder you know as we know <laughs> you know uh, it's a meat but grinder. there are there are no residual checks for the name <laughs> rights though just let you know it's okay well, <laughs> the meat grinder fellas you know it is a meat grinder yes it's a meat grinder. <laughs> that's a great podcast name anyway <laughs> All right, coach. Well, we go go back to film watching. I know that's you. That's your one of your favorite pastimes. So, uh, yes. Good luck. Let's tell is. Jack we said hi and the gang, and uh, good luck. We'll see you very we'll soon. We'll see you all soon, right, guys. Thanks, Thanks coach. I appreciate all you do for us, man. You're the guys are the best. Have a great day. Right. Thanks you too, coach. Talk to you. So, Pete, that was our good buddy Mars Petrasio. We thank you for coming on as always, and 
Hey, it's great to have Trumbull back in the mix here, but uh, it remains to be seen if they actually can can actually put a dent in the legacy programs. I mean, they're a legacy, but put a dent in the programs that have just dominated the FCAC lately. Yeah, this is when we get to the meat of the schedule, right? We, we have our alliance, the big uh, two weeks of, or three weeks of the alliance are kind of out of the way, and now we're going to see some matchups, right? Trumbull's got Greenwich in a couple of weeks. St. Joe's, Darianne, Greenwich, Ridgefield, they're all going to match up, play against each other in New Canaan. So this is where we're going to see who are the contenders and who are the pretenders. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we got you. You're going to be at St. Joe on Saturday. I'm going to be at the big hand versus uh, Shelton matchup. This could be, as we discussed a little bit earlier, this could be, if hand doesn't win this game, could be curtains to them in class L, most likely. And they're just going to have to play spoiler the rest of the way. And then you have, you know, Shelton's trying to stay relevant. You know, Greenwich is trying to stay relevant in double L. You have uh, Norwalk facing New Canaan, as we mentioned. And, uh, you know, just some fascinating games there. And there's a bunch of other games. But we finally get this bye week out of the way. And we get back out of the schedule. And we're right into the, not the home stretch, but the second half of the season. So I'm really excited. So with all that said for people blog i'm sean patrick Bowler. let's get out of here this is the meat grinder on game time ct is that what you say i love you oh yeah nah i don't love him this week that was a really good ending i was kind of in awe